Welcome to the Battleground of Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And welcome to, I'll just say it, a beautiful spring here in Wisconsin. We're finally, I think, uh, breaking out of this winter, and it is a wonderful time. And our new full panel is with us, which means Priscilla Bort, our Movement Politics Director here at Citizen Action, is with us. Priscilla, great to have you. Uh, very happy to be back again also enjoying a very beautiful sunny spring day oh man it's tough we had a couple weeks of a lot of clouds and dampness so this is wonderful robert craig executive director here at citizen action is with us as always robert great to have you happy spring i agree it's feeling more and more like spring every day though we probably will have some hiccups on the way here (laughs) That's, that's a guarantee I did see uh, we've had measurable snow as late as June, so <laughs> it's worth worth remembering. Although on the upside, uh, folks, we've had, I believe, close to 100 degree temperatures in May, too. So uh, it is great. It's wonderful to be here in Wisconsin, and we have a full boat of topics, and it's going to be heavily centered on activity around the state budget. We have been previewing previewing for you that this was going to become a huge uh, issue. And last late last week, Friday, actually, of all things, this really sped up as the Republicans announced everything that they were basically removing from the governor's budget. We're going to talk in great depth about that, including shared revenue and the deal, the quote deal that uh, the Republicans are trying to drive. We're going to talk in good detail about that. Uh, But also, we're going to talk about a number of other things. There's a lot of labor activity going on, a lot of shit going on in terms of racist activity uh, in uh, both at the UW system and some schools that we're going to talk more about. But folks, before we dive into everything, um, we're we're going to start with the state budget and talking about what happened last Friday. Um, (laughs) We've mentioned this before on the show that like we call it the late Friday afternoon news dump. Because it's a standard tradition for politicians and other people when you have bad news or things that you don't think are popular, you drop them right between 4 and 5 p.m. on Friday when almost all the news is done and people start to escape and you don't have to like necessarily you can maybe have things not get the full hit. So late Friday, Robert, give our listeners, you know, you know, real quick a couple minutes on what happened, why it's important, and we'll take it from there. Well, the biggest news in the late Friday dump, because the state budget dump was expected, was on shared revenue. But I'll start with just the overall spending priorities of Governor Evers before we go to the, 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 the what is scandalous around shared revenue. So there wasn't really any serious hearing and deliberation on these major issues. They just did it because I use this deliberately. Father knows best. This is a conservative strict father model, uh, though I don't think they act very much like, like good parents, do they? And so they stripped all the good things in the governor's budget. And the motion they passed uh, on Tuesday actually forbids them procedurally from being brought back up. So that's, uh, that that shows the authoritarian character here. They have decided, and it won't happen. More on that later as to I don't believe we need to accept their dictate. But these include things like- Robert, Robert, before you go on, 
I just want to give that some oxygen. It's really important what you just, can you just repeat what you said? Procedurally, the Democrats on joint finance, as they now work off the, the base budget, the, the previous budget, can't even reintroduce these procedurally. So they have decided that there are could Republicans by, I'm assuming, right? Like it, it's, it's well, a way they'd of have to, take a vote. to their caucus what's going to be in the budget. Well, I mean, it still could be amended at the at, at the level of the state assembly and state senate. That just hardly ever happens. Got you. Thank you. Uh, but we're talking about the now uh, very extensive hearing process where there there are public hearings where people are testifying. They're public, and that we can watch them debate and motions. So we're talking about. 12 weeks of paid family medical leave, very underappreciated and under-discussed in this budget. Huge thing Governor Evers proposed. Badger care expansion, uh, which is our major focus as an organization. Um, capping insulin costs at $35. There's something to have a budget fight over, given the popularity of that. Um, and marijuana legalization. Uh, it goes on and on. I mean, mental health for K through 12 schools, when every time there's a mass shooting, they say it's mental health, but we apparently can't spend anything on mental health for our kids. And they like to wring their hands that COVID safety made our kids very, uh, increased their mental illness and their desperation. Well, we're not going to do anything that I think free school lunch. I mean, there's a lot here. Everyone knows what the big issues are. Oh, universal background check on firearms. Guess what, folks? That has about it, over 80% support, close to 90% support, folks. So speaking of- Red flag laws were removed. Right. About $2 so, billion in funding for uh, K through 12. That's a yeah. big chunk of the funding that was already, I would just suggest a modest increase that districts desperately already needed. That's been trimmed by $2 billion. And to set up our future topic in this, this episode of Battleground Wisconsin- uh, all diversity and inclusion initiatives there now now decided that that to ban those essentially to ban we'll talk about that because well more specifically later. Well, Priscilla, I want to give you a chance to respond to just broadly to any particular aspects of this. Yeah, this first step by let's be honest by Voss and the leadership. Yeah, um, disappointing, obviously to say the least, um, but also not surprising. Uh, to see that, yeah, we're going to, you're going to just try and cut everything that families need. Like they need paid family medical leave. We need to be able to treat people like they're people we need to have. It's wild uh, when I think about school lunches, as I often do, uh, to think that there are students in quote school lunch debt it should just not be a a sentence, a statement. A terrible that we thing. Have. Yeah. Like I, I didn't even uh, a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Priscilla, was there one particular thing that you'd like to highlight that you saw where you were just like, you know, it just speaks to what Robert described as the strict father. <laughs> That's not even being a good father. Yeah. I think uh, as, as a fierce gun control advocate, um, seeing that we are moving in the absolute wrong direction, seeing everything that's happening and that we are just going in the fully wrong direction when the right direction is not a 
big step to have red flag laws, to have have these these boyfriend, close these boyfriend loopholes, close the gun show loopholes, all these loopholes. Um, they're not big asks. And to see that we're moving further away from these smaller asks, I think was probably the most disappointing piece of, of the budget outside of everything that's going on in Milwaukee and that what they're trying to push here in, in this, in this city. Yeah. Well, well, okay. So this gets, thank you. Both of the excellent points and about specifics, but broadly now I want to get you both to respond. We got about a little bit before the break and we can talk more after, but what this is an expression to me is that there is no democracy in Wisconsin. This is a product of a gerrymandered legislature that you would be so arrogant to the public that you would dismiss so many of these people's priorities. It is gross that they dumped these on Friday after we just had a public hearing on Wednesday, which was one of four, only four, but where the public wildly asked for public education to be funded, increase significantly, expansion of Badger care. And they removed those. They just you know went after them right away. It speaks to the fact that and I want to get your comments, folks, it is time for us to start to call for the governor to be much more aggressive with these folks. He has the strongest veto. Robert, I'll go to you first, and then I want your comment, Priscilla, to this. Strongest veto really in the nation uh, from being vigorous with line items to just saying, I'm going to veto this thing if there aren't changes in the Senate and the Assembly. Robert, Tell yeah. us more about really kind of the options and a little bit more about where we as citizen action certainly are headed in this uh, after last Friday. Yeah. And part of the job of professional organizer is to have the mentality where we try to understand from their perspective, people we don't agree with, say on tactics. I'm not even talking about the opposition here. And Governor Evers earnestly wants to have an adult collaborative government where the two parties have a conversation and find common ground. And he believes that deeply. And I've talked to him about this directly. This is this is earnest. And so he'd prefer to be in a different political context. But politics and organizing requires us to look at reality. Reality is that this has become an authoritarian party he's facing. And if he lets them use all their power, which they're going to do, we're going to talk more about that later on shared revenue, then they win and you have to eventually stand up to the bully and he has tremendous resources here uh the people will be on his side if he pulls out popular issues because right now they're in a dump people don't even understand what happened tuesday joint finance committee it's all that's right the people for a few people read a daily paper even there you get a laundry list right and so this their their strategy is for people not to understand by having a budget impasse that forces the issue and forces public attention. And the second thing is he can veto things they don't like. I'm not calling for just a heedless veto of the whole budget and go back to the old budget and have an austerity budget, which is what happens in Wisconsin. I'm calling for strategic vetoes. For example, they took out any cap on voucher schools. Go and zero out vouchers and say, um, I will change that if you find common ground with me on this list of things and force either a direct negotiation or in the press negotiation, whatever they're willing to do, because you can take things away from them. Otherwise they're gonna take everything from you 
and continue to, to, to dominate Wisconsin when he is the only legitimately elected person in this state. And he's the only person that won statewide that he has legitimacy to represent the whole state. They don't, they represent individual districts and they're gerrymandered districts. So they're not even a legitimate legislature. And with that, we got to take our first break. We will come back with Priscilla's thoughts on this very topic. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin with Citizen Action. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Right before the break, Robert expertly laid out sort of what's at stake and why we are calling for the governor to use his strongest in the nation veto pen to start negotiating with these Republicans, these authoritarian Republicans right now. Priscilla, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think this is Evers' chance to really be an example, to set an example for people in the state of Wisconsin who want to be candidates, who want to be campaign managers that like, yeah, you're going to have to take some bold steps and that he's willing to take that bold step to do it. I think this is is going to be a, a defining moment for for him to see him make this decision and i just i really hope that he he sees that this is what people are really asking for and sets that example of okay i gotta listen to my constituents because clearly the republicans are not i need to set this example to actually listen to what people of wisconsin want i hope he i hope he goes that route yeah priscilla i love what you just said there right that was a that's a layer I had not really thought about what it means to him as a governor to set a leadership for other folks who are either thinking of running for office, thinking of leading, and what it really means to lead that breaks this mold, right, that we're sort of stuck in. Um, thank you for for mentioning that. Okay, so, oh, Robert, quick thoughts? Yeah, yeah. just here's, here's my, my memo to Governor Evers, friendly memo. All of this is friendly. This I take all back, this as a hug. Right. I just want to, we have to keep saying that though, because uh, we, because some will try to say that we're not being loyal and supportive of the governor. No, we're having a conversation among allies because we have to be allied against fascism. So back to the beginning of all the political philosophy that led to the American form of government, the constitution, it's been understood, there's been written around about that politicians cannot choose the times they live in. They have to adapt to them. And I know he'd prefer a different context. He'd prefer a, a Republican Party doesn't stay more. He doesn't have that luxury and he needs to adapt to reality because his obligation is to represent the people and get the best budget he can and him living in a different political universe um, and then saying that he got a compromise when he didn't, which is what happened last time, folks. That is not serve the people. I know the governor wants to do that. He believes in that strongly. Okay, very quickly, folks, I want to move to some action. We are moving, okay? Um, first of all, uh, Thursday evening, most of you, by the time you listen to this, it will have happened, but we will have a link to an event we are doing, a uh, virtual event with members and folks who want to first find out exactly what happened, but then find out how they want to get involved and start to take action and fight back and help create, you know, wind in the sails of the governor to, to do this and to lead and to, shall we say, animate those polls, right? That show these issues are 65, 70% support. Well, we need to be that wind for the governor. So please uh, jump on if you hear this before 6 p.m. on Thursday or go watch it. 
Um, you can also go watch our press conference, our media conference that we had on Wednesday, uh, sort of laying out this strategy. That's also worth watching. Uh, but regardless, we have some actions that you can be a part of, and we've got links to them. One, we have a petition which allows you to go write a message to the governor encouraging him to lead on this and to use his veto strategically and to get in this game now. Um, two, we have phone banking starting Monday the 15th. I believe it's the 15th or is it the 14th? Not, it's the 15th. Yeah, that's right. Mother's Day is the 14th, right? Everybody don't forget that. Mother's Day is on the 14th. The 15th, the day after Mother's Day, we're starting a phone bank where we're going to be calling voters in all the regions where we have organizing co-ops and important areas, particularly where we know there's a lot of state legislators who ought to be thinking about what their maps are going to be in the future with this new Supreme Court. We're going to be calling them, talking to them, trying to get folks to call the governor, call their legislators. We're going to we are going to organize around this and we want you to be involved. Also, in some of the regions where we have organizers, there are going to be canvassing opportunities where you can canvass with an organizer. But please, um, we want you to get involved. So check out those links. Now, before we go to break, we have to talk about, I want to set the table for shared revenue because we're going to talk deeper later in the show with 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 with, a, with one of our guests, which we're super excited about. Um, I want to, though, before set the stage for what is so bad with the Republican shared revenue plan, which was released to much fanfare in virtually no details a week ago, where they suckered in all these local electeds to show up to these media conferences. Well, you know what? Now we're getting the details. Um, Robert, I'm going to go to you first. Um, tell us in a nutshell, what is so pernicious about this shared revenue deal in the uh, state budget? And I'm not going to step on all the details because I want to leave things for Priscilla here. I know she feels rightly so passionate about many of these issues. Oh, there's so much to unpack yeah. around this, Robert. Don't worry. Oh, let me just put it in context. There's the right, just like their, you know, 20-year-old, more 30-year-old strategy to take over and politicize state Supreme Courts and the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, they've been whenever it's in to their into their advantage, removing home rule. They used to be called preemption. They do preemption. There's a lot of preemptions that the Walker legislature and Scott Walker did here. And right now across the country, MAGA legislatures are trying to take away most of the home rule authority from democratic areas and especially diverse areas. So this is part of a national trend and part of the threat to democracy, okay? It's not isolated. It is part, it is a national strategy that billionaire donors and the corporations that back up uh, fascism, which is what they're doing, um, uh, support and want. And so you have a situation created by the Republicans. They are the ones who reneged on the shared revenue deal in this state, the social compact, that local governments will have less revenue authority than most anywhere else, Wisconsin, Milwaukee at the least of any major city in the country. At, but we will have a progressive income tax and we will share the proceeds, okay? That was shared revenue. They just started doing austerity, like horrendous austerity uh, at the local level. And they've done this to school districts as well. And they've created a crisis 
Milwaukee is the is the most obvious. It's the largest metro area here where they're facing uh, ultimately bankruptcy and not being able to do basic services, both the county and city. So then they turn around when Governor Evers tries to get not the most progressive shared revenue we should have. We should have more than Governor Evers proposes, but serious, you know, step in the right direction that actually would alleviate the crisis, right, and start doing a lot more of what the state, I, what the state, they should be doing. Uh, they come out with poison pills where they're going to dictate to Milwaukee, like how it is spent, that it needs to be spent on a, on a number of certain number of police and firefighters that they have predetermined. And by the way, those two unions were exempted from Act 10 because they are Republican allies, folks, for real. So this is sleazy politics. And that they we cannot expand the hop, the exciting new uh, uh, transportation system. And there are things about school safety uh, in there that I will leave for Priscilla, but um, that people have probably read something about. And other things. So this is outrageous. And this is to give the city the authority to tax its own people with a regressive sales tax. We're going to impose these decisions we've made in New Berlin and in Vilas County and these red areas for the most diverse, the only large, uh, very diverse city in the state of Wisconsin. So Priscilla, with that, um, yeah, please set the stage a little bit, because what 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 what's been done in Milwaukee is particularly pernicious in the part about MPS and our next guest who will follow us after this break is going to help us go into more detail. But how about you please set the table uh, for this conversation? Yes, um, I'm so excited to have Sandy, co-executive director of LIT, joining us in uh, the next segment. Uh, but yeah, uh, so as um, we had a really big thing just a couple of years ago where the MPS board voted to um, get rid of the contract between the Milwaukee Public or Milwaukee Public Schools, Milwaukee Police Department. Uh, and Republicans have thrown that back into their Milwaukee shared revenue plan of adding more cops to schools, opposite of what we need. They threw it really sneakily in there as they usually throw things uh, in there. But as we know, cops have no place in schools. Uh, and we fought so hard to get Milwaukee where where we are right now, we still have so much work to do. Um, and it also shouldn't be up to state legislatures. It should be up to school boards. There are a reason that school boards are publicly elected for them to have this power. Uh, so uh, it was. I think that's one of the most disappointing pieces of the budget is all these Milwaukee things of these little fine lines that they are trying to put in and see all of this hard work that groups, that wonderful groups like LIT have have worked on uh, to see it, see Republicans really try to take it all away. Yeah. Yeah, it's a perfect example of what Robert talked about. And we're going to dive in more with Cindy right after we take this short break. Folks, you're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin, where citizen action, you can find us all over the socials. We're very active of course, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, but please, you should also get involved with our organization. Please donate and become a member. Join one of our organizing co-ops. We'll have a link for you to get involved. It is absolutely critical that we start to really find our voice and our agency in this movement and not just be pundits on social media or in our social networks. 
We got to get out there and start talking to people. Get involved in your community. Join Citizen Action. Folks, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Folks, uh, Priscilla previewed it before the break. We're really thrilled to have one of the co-executive directors of LIT uh, here in Milwaukee, uh, and that is Cindy Tenna. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Well, first of all, tell our listeners a little bit more about why this issue with the Republicans basically forcing Milwaukee public schools potentially to have to put police officers back into the schools is such a big issue uh, for, for you and your organization. A lot of the folks uh, who worked hard on this. Tell us, tell our listeners more, please. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I want to start off by saying this issue is personal to me, uh, but also a huge part of the work that I've been doing for the last five years. So Milwaukee Public Schools hasn't actually had school resource officers for eight, almost 10 years. Um, they were eventually replaced with safety assistance, which can also be an improvement, but that is a different conversation. Uh, and since 2018, when LID was founded, we launched our campaign from failure to freedom. Um, and we also launched our youth power agenda, which is an invest divest framework uh, and a vision of how we intend to dismantle the school to prison and deportation pipeline in Milwaukee public schools. At that time, there wasn't a presence of school resource officers inside of the schools, but there were definitely cops being called on students for several reasons, mostly non-threatening reasons. And also they would be present at games. They would be present in the mornings or the afternoons right outside of buildings. And it, after many years of organizing, having to you know, lobby school board members who, although we're progressive, we're not in support of terminating contracts with police. And it took so much work uh, our students were at school board meetings every other week for hours, spending their afternoons with us, um, you know, doing all the things you could think of to try to convince uh, the board and other stakeholders that the presence of police officers does not make them feel safe. And uh, fortunately, in 2020, we finally reached a point where we terminated the remaining contracts between MPD and MPS. Our first divestment happened in 2019. We divested $600,000 from the policing budgets. Uh, but 2020 marked the end of the remaining contracts, which was a big deal. And there were a lot of things happening that summer, you know, like the uprisings, uh, which definitely made it a opportunity that we just had to take. And uh, the day before they had a special hearing about this, we rallied 600 people outside of the MPS central office in support of this to show the board, like the community is behind you on this. They don't want this. So um, the night of the board meeting, there were like 800 testimonies, both oral and written, which had to be a record. Uh, and mostly in support of terminating this con these contracts. And um, it was like, it was an amazing feeling for a lot of them to reference the work that we had been doing for the last couple of years. 
And after hours of discussion, the board finally reached a decision and they unanimously voted to end the contracts. So, and, you know, that was a huge victory for us. And since then, though, Republicans have been trying to find different ways to put cops back in schools. Last year, they did it by introducing AB 969 uh, and trying to use ARPA money to put cops in schools. That failed after we lobbied, attended the hearing in Madison. Uh, they passed, they introduced it again under AB 69, very same language basically. Uh, as of right now, that's still sitting in the Senate because nobody wants seems to want to sponsor it. So we're also keeping track of that. And then now they have this shared revenue proposal that you know, Milwaukee and other counties have been wanting for many, many years. However, there are really pathetic strings attached to this proposal uh, in order for them to give us the money that we deserve. They want to put a minimum of 25 school resource officers in MPS. They want basically a report card uh, where schools would have to um, tell DPI how many arrests have been made, how many referrals to police, how many cases of battery, SA, and other things. And we know that the, the whole purpose of this report card is to you know, make the case for why we need to privatize education and keep pushing black and brown parents to put their kids in non-public schools. That's the whole purpose of that. They don't care about the safety of our students. Well, uh, and then lastly, they want uh, they want the district to pay for one third of these expenses, which we don't know how much that how much that is. Even if they don't they were free, we don't want them. But the fact that you have been defunding public education for many, many years and seem to want to carry on the legacy of Scott Walker by not giving public schools the funding that they deserve. And then on top of that, say, you're going to have to pay for this with the very limited funds that you have. That is absurd. Well, I'm going to have Priscilla do the first follow-up, but let me just say that was an excellent example of folks, the democracy. Did you hear all the democracy behind that decision that that just gets wiped out by a couple of leaders that is wrong. It's undemocratic. A lot of hard work. It's amazing. Thank you for sharing that story. It's important for listeners to understand the hard work and organizing behind those decisions. They just weren't lightly made by a school board. Priscilla, question. Yeah. Um, also, want to uh, shout out Lit quickly. I always say that uh, there's there's two folks you can always see at school board meetings. It's the uh, the teachers and those Lit students. Uh, so amazing work. Uh, frustrating to see just a handful of people trying to tear apart something that so many people have have supported. Um, so my my first question for you is what can we what can we do? What can the public do about this? How can we support lit? How can we make sure that we all push back against Voss, that this is not in shared revenue? Tell us, tell us what we can do. Yeah, uh, I want to start off by saying that this was kept very privately, and it is just through the grace of the universe, probably, that we found out that it was happening, uh, luckily, because of so some, you know, co-conspirators that we have. But um, 
I want folks to know that there are a lot of people and of course the people that are going to be impacted the most have been left out of these conversations. The governor didn't even know about this, uh, which should tell you a lot. Um, we currently have a petition going, we have a digital action an advocacy form. And tomorrow we're actually going to do a joint press conference with the MPS board, who is also really upset about this whole situation to speak out about this. And the fact that this undermines local control and the decision that they made about you know, the safety of our students. So there are tons of things that can be done from calling your elected officials, um, you know, showing up to this press conference tomorrow at uh, 12 p.m. outside of central oh, office. Tomorrow being to, Friday, just for our yes. listeners, Friday, if you get May this, 5th. if you're listening, yes, Friday, May 5th, please attend. Yes. Um, you know, calling the common council, your county board supervisor, and then ultimately our target is going to be the governor because we are hearing that he either has to veto it completely or pass it. And we are definitely nervous about the fact that there is support from David Crowley and Chevy Johnson on this. So it's going to appear as a bipartisan effort and that is very far from the truth. Yeah, something that you you noted that I wanna highlight was the, the surprise, the shock that like Governor Evers didn't even know that this was coming. And I think that just, immediately shows like okay the republicans knew what they were doing keeping this under wraps that nobody nobody knew uh what was what was happening what was gonna come so it's hard to be prepared for things like this when we don't know that they're coming and the one person who can veto it doesn't even know what he might need to veto yeah well cindy any other thoughts on uh I guess what you would ask folks to do, we will, and by the way, listeners, we're going to have links. We'll have information on, you know, make sure you get to those events, but we'd like a link to obviously to the petition, get folks signing that. Um, and, but any other thoughts from your end? And then also please, you know, for folks who may be interested in getting involved in lit, we, one of the things we're super adamant about here is we need less pundits <laughs> and we need to have more folks in the game and your story about the hard work, the organizing work of students that is inspiring. We need more folks in the game. Tell people how they can get involved, not only in this fight, but how they can get involved in lit. Yeah. If you're an educator, uh, we would love to have you as an advisor and work with us in the schools. If you are a student, of course, come join us. We have high school chapters and we also have college chapters if you don't go to school at all, but want to be involved, we also have a civic space precisely for that. We have year-round leadership development opportunities, volunteer opportunities, and just different ways to plug in. So whatever it is that you have the capacity to do or interest to do, there's uh, definitely different ways for us to plug you in. Priscilla, you have some breaking news that I believe Sunday. I do. Um, it just came through a couple of minutes ago that Evers has threatened to veto the GOP shared <laughs> revenue bill. Uh, so that is some good, some good news. Of course, it doesn't mean that we're letting the foot off the gas pedal. Oh, uh, like everybody get involved with lit. There, yes. you're gonna do something. Go support. Go support lit. Uh, we we need more groups 
like them. We need lit. We need all the Sundays of the world. Uh, they're doing great, great work. So, uh, so with that, good news. <laughs> yeah, no, it's exciting. Look, people, our action matters. Uh, Cindy, you may not know this, but yesterday we we started calling for the governor to use his veto power to strategically bring these folks to the table, that this is ridiculous, and including threatening to potentially veto the whole budget. Um, so this is exciting news. But I want to underscore, first of all, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. Thank you for leading. We just organizing is hard work and y'all are about doing the hard work of changing the world and folks, please get involved. But thank you, uh, Cindy, for joining us today and, and talking with us. Thank you all so much for having me and for letting me uh, share what is happening. I don't think it'll be the last time folks. <laughs> we we have got to roll here. We got to take a break. Again, you're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin with Citizen Action this year, right after this break. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We really want to thank Executive Director and really thanks Cindy for for joining us. It was fantastic, great conversation. And folks, it just it just goes to show you why it's important that we get involved and speak out when this stuff happens. To that. Next topic, it's we're going to talk about just a bunch of racist stuff that has been going on in both at the UW system, a school district level, and then within local government. And Priscilla, um, we started this conversation uh, around specifically within our organization about what was going on in Dane County around uh, the appointment of Sheila Stubbs, uh, I believe it's health, uh, the health department secretary to run essentially the Dane County Health Department. And so tell our listeners a little bit more. Let's just start about what's been going on there. And then just let's also talk about what's going on at the UW. And then just some of the, some of the connects back to our political class. But Priscilla, enlighten our listeners who may not know what has been going on in Roiling in Dane County. Yeah, so uh, Dane County Board has been uh, going through the process of, uh, you know, getting Sheila ready, uh, interviewing her, getting her through all the appointments, um, and the wonderful second vice chair of the Dane County Board, April Kagaya, and then another Dane County Board supervisor, Dana Pelabon, uh, two wonderfully progressive Dane County Black women, uh, because of this process, have been receiving a lot of threats via email, via written into the record, um, both threats and racial slurs being allowed to be written into the record from from constituents, from people at these these meetings. Uh, and it's been heartbreaking to to hear, to see. Um, I, I know both April and Dana and Anthony Gray, who's been going through it too, uh, personally, and even if I didn't know them, this is just not, we do not have a place for this in, in Wisconsin, in Dane County, anywhere, uh, that, that we can, that we're, we're almost not allowing, but it almost feels like we're allowing them to be targeted like this and and I've been I'm been very happy to see the response of of fellow supervisors um on, on the board 
that have really spoken out in support of them and against these attacks. Um, but, you know, we, we can't also talk about Dane County and supporting those two without talking about what's going on in the UW system, specifically at UW-Madison um, this week. And, and just seeing videos of, of students using racial slurs, especially ones who are in public fields like healthcare. Um, very proud of the students for their sit-in yesterday uh, and the work that they have been doing. Definitely want to uplift the, the continued efforts that they want to hold the UW system accountable because this is not the first time the UW system, especially UW-Madison, has had has had some kind of incident like this. Uh, so this is a time that they can set a standard of what they're gonna tolerate and what they're not gonna tolerate, uh, which we'll see if they tolerate Voss's calls for uh, you know, defunding diversity within the UW system. It's just all, all connected oh, this week. Yes, yes. Uh, so Robert, Priscilla, you know, ended there by talking about Voss and Voss's activities. And I think these are really important because, look, it speaks to one of the fundamental problems. If you actually don't believe that this is a value and you are promoting, you know, essentially white supremacy, Robert, your thoughts on Voss's idea and just this idea that we would get rid and defund diversity offices on UW campuses that have all of them not adequate diversity to begin with so this is part of a larger trend uh you know it's most notorious with governor DeSantis that we're going to cancel uh, the idea that there is structural racism that we're going to lie about what critical race theory is and lie it's even in public schools and we're going to make sure kids can't be taught our own history which is not make them better citizens or better workers and in fact that's part of boss's explanation on his his standalone proposal to get rid of all diversity programs with and inclusion programs within UW system schools, he's saying that we only do things that improve people's employment. I'm sorry, we have a growing diverse workforce. If you don't, if you don't, if you if you're not good at dealing cross culturally, cross racially, cross gender, you're not going to be successful in the workplace. So it's a big lie. Um, they've decided they've gone from kind of this colorblind myth to this. We're going to attack anything out there that actually focuses on uh, the racism that does exist. And of course, all the instances we show it does. Right. And it's in the air. In other words, they're seeing Fox News hosts, Republican politicians use race more and more and more and more overtly. And then, of course, People are going to go who are who are receiving that information and say awful, hurtful things. Now, I think, and I know there's strong disagreements, and a lot of the UW students who are, and I'm a former student government leader and activist, so I commend all the action students are taking at UW Madison right now around the racial slur there. The inclusion officer is extremely thoughtful in the press response and trying to and, and trying to serve the educational function. I will say this, I, and I admire the students taking a strong stand, having demands, right? Uh, that's critical. That's good organizing. Uh, obviously, ultimately, you go back and forth and see what you can get, but you start with the far end, right? 
which is expulsion of the student who did this. But um, I've been involved in this. I, I instructed at the university level, getting my master's and PhD for 10 years. I had a student give a, uh, a commemorative speech honoring Adolf Hitler once and had to go through that process because you, you imagine the impact not only on the students I was teaching, but I am biologically and ethnically half Jewish, my father's side. So I'm just saying this stuff happens with young people. They, when they watch Tucker Carlson or this crap on social media, an 18, 19-year-old doesn't know what to do with it. We need to educate them and reach out and deal with it and prevent them from doing more harm, but also improve them as a person. And so it's a complicated situation, but getting rid of inclusion offices simply prevents it from happening. It's a disservice to that kid at UW-Madison who said, uttered in, in, in a video, horrendous and unacceptable racial slurs that are hard to believe someone would utter in the 21st century. So, Robert, thank you for your, your, your thoughts. Priscilla, here's the issue, right? Like, even on the accountability end, right? Like, we're, we're, we're dropping the ball. It's over the last couple of years, there's been a series of articles and districts. Burlington comes to mind all the time. Muskego, bunch of them, right? And there's almost never the latest was whatever went on at a basketball game. No accountability. Wausau. I mean, come on, tell our listeners more about what's going on in Wausau, particularly, and, and this deals with among uh, a student. And for folks who don't live in Wausau, don't know, very large Hmong community. And again, for people who don't, again, know the history, folks who came here because these are folks who fought <laughs> in the South, Southeast Asian, you know, in the Vietnam War, right? on our side. These are like the descendants of American sort of war heroes, right? And Priscilla, this, how are the, tell, tell our folks more about what, what's been going on in Wausau and then the response of the board, which breaking news, it sounds like DPI is now investigating. Give our listeners the deets. Yeah. Uh, so over in, in Wausau, a, a band teacher has been um, accused of making directed racial and homophobic slurs at a Hmong student, um, which is, is it's heartbreaking that like these students, they're just going to school. They, they just deserve to be in school and not have teachers throw these terrible directed attacks at them, uh, but they're still teaching. Um, that it was determined that it, you know, wasn't discrimination or harassment, not quite sure how that, uh, got got determined um but as as usual as you mentioned a whole bunch of of examples and we could keep going with examples that this this happens uh and then or they get paid get put on administrative paid leave while an investigation is is open uh and it just we have to protect our our students and who they are as as people um and you know it, it it's even more highlighted given that like this is also a nhpi month asian american native hawaiian pacific islander heritage month um and even if it weren't like this we just don't have a place for these these targeted attacks we don't have a place for this lack of accountability um you know the student over UW Madison. She still goes there. She is still a nursing student and is an actively practicing in in the nursing field, which is not who we need 
as as nurses, we don't need these educators who have these very biased views like this. Uh, so it, it goes all back into school boards and how our school boards can hold folks accountable and need to hold folks accountable. They are the, the one source that can can do these things. Uh, and it's it's frustrating to see what what attacks the school boards have been getting. We've seen multiple instances of that outside of Voss's attack on, on the Milwaukee school board. The school boards in, in general, you know, Republicans, Moms for Liberty, love attacking school boards. Uh, but this is just this this there's been a very racialized week here in the state of Wisconsin. Um and we just gotta make sure that we are doing what we we can to say that hey we support these students who are who are doing sit-ins who are walking out. We support these students who are just simply going to school and don't deserve to have racialized slurs thrown at them. We support elected officials who are just doing their job that they were elected to do and and go through processes and not have threats be be thrown at them. Um, it, it highlights the work that Wisconsin does have to do for sure um, and highlights the importance of us not giving up or giving in anytime soon because uh, it can be done. Just need need all the people. We need more groups like Lit. Uh, doing these things because we got work to do. Yeah. With that, folks, stay in the game. We need each other and we need each other active and not just sitting on the sidelines talking. So please get involved, join Citizen Action, join Lit. With that, we're going to wrap up this Battleground Wisconsin. Really, really want to thank the uh, co ED of Lit, Cindy. Anna, for joining us. We really appreciate it. It's a wonderful story of the hard work of democracy and organizing. So folks, please get active. Again, want to thank our producer, Brian Wildridge, who makes the podcast happen every week. We'll see y'all next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin.